from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. The sky turns from blue. It starts to rain on you. And the sun's in your eyes. And you start to wonder why. Jasmine is true. I'm waiting here for you. Without this heart of mine, you'll be doing fine. It's the week of Friday, February 5th, 2016, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Squarespace.com, my favorite way to build a website on the internet. (laughs) Jesse and I, we're about to uh, work on a new Squarespace site for the upcoming Oscars.biz. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm deep in Squarespace land right now. If you want to make a website that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level, Squarespace is for you. They have intuitive and easy to use tools and state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world like the Oscars. (laughs) Plans start at just eight bucks a month, but you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Uh, you can start your free trial site today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. Literally just go there, start putting in stuff, and build a website. It's fun. Uh, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code RELEVANT uh, to get 10% off your first purchase when you check out. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Like I said, I'm uh, your host, Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffins. Yes, Cameron. Nice to see you. Good morning. <laughs> Hello. (laughs) Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Jeremiah Dunlap. Great to be here. Feeling so calm because of Eddie now. Thank you, Eddie. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) On the Skype plane from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egrich. Present. Mm. Uh, Looking very made up this morning. I I pop off my pillow with with full makeup. That's what married life is like, right? Yeah, exactly. Actually, I remember growing up and hearing this woman in our church telling me that she would wake up before her husband would wake up and mm. she would put on her makeup and she would wait till after he went to sleep and take off her makeup so that he would never no see way. so conceivably Whoa. he had never seen her without makeup never seen her face it gets up and puts on her face that That's is crazy. old school is that a is that a good thing in a relationship? I mean, no. Is that, no, it's not troubling, right? That's fine. I think it was more about her. I don't think it was like something her husband expected. I think it was just she hated herself yeah. without makeup. They live which, in a very oh. traditional. He, like he probably comes in the door. Is that a traditional thing? Because it just seems a little strange. Old to school me. traditional. Does she yeah. not swim? That's the other thing. Yeah. Like like <laughs> is swimming water, off the paddle, table. Doggy paddle. Does she not? Swim? Yeah. Or does she do the thing that yeah like moms <laughs> did at the pool growing up? Where they, where they don't get their hair wet and they just doggy paddle around. Because yeah. that doesn't seem like fun to me. Like, if I'm if I'm pooling it, I'm diving, I'm sharks and minnows, I'm getting rings off the bottom, I'm having contests of who can swim under lo- underwater the longest. There, if I can't get my hair wet, there's no point in swimming. There's no point in being at the pool. I'm really glad to know that, that my mom's not the only mom. I thought she was so lame because no. she'd be like, oh, don't get my hair wet. I'll no. swim with you. But I don't want to get my hair wet. Yeah, no, my like, mom did the same thing. The yeah, my brother and I are having a, like a sick like a cannonball contest, <laughs> and my mom is just like gently sitting there on the like the side little cutout thing, upset at us because we're splashing her. So, I'm like, how lame are you, mom? What is the thing? Is it like after we're done uh, swimming, it's just going to take too long to get her hair the way yeah. she wants it again? Yeah, I think. I don't know, but it, I feel like it was my mom and all the moms I knew who were just not big hair wet people. Yeah. You know. <laughs> 
If your hair's not wet in an aquatic environment, you're not having fun. Like that's the <laughs> that's the number one rule. Can we talk about something else that really perturbed me as a kid in pool situations? Why other, we? Like I didn't it didn't bother me personally. I just felt bad for people that didn't want to get their hair wet. Like I could care less because, like I said, I'm deep deep in a game. I'm of, getting my hair of, wet. Of, you know, sharks and minnows. But the, the the whole concept of Adult Swim. Like we <laughs> yeah. used to go to a public pool all the time. You know, you're not like referring. The, you're not referring to the programming block on the Cartoon Network. No, I'm night. a huge fan of that. Yeah. I, I love. I love yeah, okay. Tim and Eric. But yeah. um, no, I'm talking about the actual, like, just the concept of it. Like, we used to go to the public pool all the time in the summer, like every day. Totally. So fun. And you know, on the hour they blow the whistles and give it ten minutes of Adult Swim, and it's just one weird guy. I mean, there's hundreds of people at this pool. None of the adults want to get in the pool, <laughs> much less want to get in the pool when there's no kids in there. So everyone's just gawking at them. Maybe it's like a rep situation that his peak performance is if he does ten minutes of laps once an hour. And so he's just there all day doing his 10 minutes, it's 15 just, minutes of rest, 10 minutes in. It's one out of shape guy that doesn't understand swimming <laughs> and that definitely <laughs> needs adult swim. But here, okay, he, the problem with that theory. But he's the, the president of the Homeowners Association. Right. So he gets the pool rules how right. he wants them. I still uh, I remember from going to the public pool, they had a, an Olympic diving board. And I got like, all my friends were like, do it. And I got up there and I remember standing on the edge. Which one? Like three? There's three. It was like the second one, but okay. it was like higher than I'd ever, like I'm terrified of heights. I'm up there and I still use that exact moment of standing on the board. Like if I'm ever laughing inappropriately and need to stop, I still think of that moment <laughs> from when I was like nine. Really? That's still the moment that will scare me into stopping. And it's like a really great tool to have. But like I'm right there at the Pasadena community pool on that and I'm like, all right, I'm not laughing on stage. It's almost like the acting mechanism of like... (laughs) It is. What's your worst, most terrifying fear? It is standing on that board and everybody going like, jump! And then finally I jump and just like my lifeless doughy body just falling into the pool. Did you belly flop? uh, I kind of couldn't not. Like, that was kind of my thing. But then the thing is when you get into the water, the thing I don't realize is like you're just kind of yelling the whole way down. You don't realize like, oh, I'm about to go 10 feet into the water and no, I, I couldn't, I, I like couldn't figure out my way up, and I was like, everything was messed up. So I still use that to not laugh. So oh man, when, I, when you guys say something really funny, and I'm trying not to mess up the show. Why did you go up there then? Because everybody's like, we're all doing it. Mark Peer Pickett's pressure. doing it. Johnny Lee's doing it. What am I going to look like an idiot in front of those guys? <laughs> can, Danny Krasner? <laughs> can I tell you my terrifying pool story? Yeah, because like, I was a lifeguard. I felt like I was a pretty good. Sw- I didn't. I wasn't afraid of water, but I was. <laughs> I was at a party as an adult at a friend's house, and he, the guy had recently. Uh, he was put, like closing his pool like part of the week. He was putting one of those like solar sheets, which is basically like giant things of bubble wrap yeah, yeah. over the top of the pool. Yeah. And what it does is the, the idea is it soaks up solar heat so you can open it and get a couple more days uh, uh, use out of the week, you yeah. know, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. fall. So we were sitting there talking and I'm like, how agile and fast do you have to be? To basically lily pad yourself across that. <laughs> Excellent. Like if I run right. like one of those frogs that walks on water, yeah. can I just skim across? I, I want to know what happens because we had one of those at my pool at my house growing up, yeah. and I did exactly what you're talking about. You went straight. So in, what dude. happened? Yeah, you went. Yeah. I well, I took a, I took a, you know, everyone. We started talking about it, and you know how it goes. One thing leads to another, and it's like, dude, you can totally do this thing. You know, and I got everyone watching, and it was too late. There was no backing down. My my third step, of course, my foot went through it. Okay, oh, <laughs> my no. foot went through it, and at that point, I'm being engulfed in the bubble wrap, and I can't yeah. swim out of Jesse. it. Jesse, 
Like, I mean, I mean, it's like someone like throwing a plastic net on you in the water. Saran wrap. Yeah, we all it understand. It's terrifying. Yeah, the dolphins with the uh, with the six pack uh, rings. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and it's like never in your mind are you be like, this is how I'm going to die in in eight feet of water because yeah. of a, because I tried to run across a solar heater bubble. Well, so wrap, did someone like rescue one of those cool lizards. Nice. Yeah, I mean, they quickly grabbed it and reeled me in. It was terrifying. I gotta never say, never try that. Did it ever occur to you when you were about to try to run across the water that the one guy that did this like got it in the bible it was so impressive like nobody's really done it since <laughs> right. what i'm saying is i no one knows the physics of the bubble wrap running Cameron, well, you said you tried this yeah i did uh, my dad my dad i guess maybe he sprung for the luxury one because nothing i mean it was a little thicker plastic you know yeah. um the mistake i made was um because once you get into the middle of it it's almost like you're on a, a raft, essentially. It's yeah. all these like bubbles are going to keep you up, right? Pretty thick plastic. Yeah. The the mistake I made was getting a little cocky when I was making it toward the other side, because all of a sudden, <laughs> and it just went down with my weight, and yeah. I and I went right into the frigid cold water. Yeah. But I had made it because I had jumped into it, so I jumped about a third of the way across, oh, okay. and then I'm already in the middle, and I'm getting cocky, and then. I didn't jump a third of the way out, and I, the, the edge got me. <laughs> I so. think it's for some reason in my mind, like the short, quick one. steps were the good idea. Right, yeah. short, quick steps. Yeah. Well, that's how those little lizards do it. They do it with the short, quick steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my, my 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 whole thing was the whole premise of the stunt was based on the YouTube videos I've seen of those cool lizards. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say out loud for the 14 year old guy that's listening to this and is just like I. I gotta do this. Do it. Don't do that. Do no, it. No, don't oh, do this. I, I no one do that. this. I'm it's sorry. never worked ever. <laughs> it is not possible. I think it is possible. Okay. No, and that's I what I was gonna say. I think the across. difference. This is on the your difference shoulders. isn't that you know Cameron's dad sprung for the luxury one. The difference is that Cameron was a small child, and Jesse is a grown man. <laughs> that's actually an excellent yeah, it was a significant weight difference. <laughs> yeah, that's there. true. I was probably about seventy pounds. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was sixty-nine and three quarters pounds closer to the gecko that can actually do it than Jesse, who's another hundred pounds heavier than that <laughs> i still think give it another shot if i took a different angle <laughs> or i jumped out further or you sure. know i i, I still now, think it's humanly said. possible now you're in your head that's the problem <laughs> you only get one pure time to just run but now you are like the wily e. coyote who ran and looked down and realized oh i i ran off that cliff 20 meters ago and now you're falling straight to the ground you can never unlook at what you've done you're always falling i think i would have just tried first to like go across the shallow end. That was my big mistake. I ran right into the deep end, and I was literally in very big trouble almost immediately. Was was uh, was the water already cold, or was it still like holding on to the last bit of warm water? Yeah, I mean the the solar heater until I punctured it had done its job. I think it was that. Yeah. All right. So my leg went directly through it. I think it had done a good job. <laughs> well, we have a great show in store for you. If, you. if you've tuned in because of our headliner, because of our, our guest this week, uh, this isn't usually a pool talk ep- uh, podcast. I mean, it's not. I mean, we have given it. tips on how to detect leaks. Yeah. I'd say half the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's good. We're glad you're here on the show with us. Good thing in the middle of the winter to be talking about pool season. Yeah. I'm oh, sure. somebody tweeted I saw the other day or posted on Facebook. They're like, oh, check out this interview with somebody. But they put the minute, the time. Time that the interview started, and I yeah. was like, that's not cool. <laughs> there is a lot of magic at the beginning before we get to whoever we're going to be listening to. Not oh, cool. That's funny. So anyhow, we're glad you're all here. Yeah. Well, we have a great show coming up for you today. Um, 
it's it's Black History Month, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. I uh, have a conversation coming up later with one of my good friends, Propaganda, um, who's an amazing spoken word artist, uh, rapper, yeah. and um, poet. He has a, yeah. new, a new book out. Um, but we don't talk about any of that. <laughs> I literally just wanted to ask him some dumb white guy questions about Black History Month and Black Lives Matter and yeah. a lot of stuff that's in, in the news and in the air, but the church isn't really talking about yeah. it. Yeah, it's like, come on, get real. Well, later we talk about it. Wow. Yeah, Dang. so stay tuned for that. We also have a Johnny Swim on the show today. Great band. Uh, they, out of nowhere, uh, released an, uh, an album last week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Don't, uh, calm down. It's not new music. It's <laughs> yeah. a live album of, yeah. of their awesome debut album. Um, but yeah, with the new live album out, they, they come on and uh, Jeremiah talks, talks to them mm-hmm. about that project and their music and kind of what's coming from them. Uh, they're an amazing husband and wife duo. Uh, you got to check them out. You'll hear the music coming up. They're great. Anyway, that's all coming up later. But uh, before we move on, because uh, we have a lot happening this week, I, I literally this morning saw a tweet that I wanted to bring to the group. A tweet. Somebody tweeted at us at Relevant Podcast. Tweets are so hard. It was uh, Jacob Reha. He uh, he said he's emceeing his friend's wedding reception. Mm-hmm. Any ideas what to do? Games, etc. Last podcast yeah. proves you guys totally know quote how to love. So obviously last week's show we we had a, a love advice column for Valentine's Day or a call in segment. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a prime yeah. time question because. Miss Joy Eggerts is about to be yeah. another name because her, her wedding is in a couple weeks yeah. and you guys are emceeing the reception. Yeah. So there's just a whole lot of expertise going on right here. So do you guys have mm. any tips for Jacob who's going to be emceeing his friend's wedding reception? Yeah, I mean, I, I think my number one tip is just play it fast and loose, Jacob. Like, you do you. <laughs> I would not worry about prep as much as I would just... Showing up present, uh, really ready to go. Je- Jesse, what do you yeah, think? Don't plan much at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. We're good to go. I would say, you know, I would say you to take two strategies. One is, yeah, show up as if you totally forgot about the obligation until moments before mm-hmm. and are just winging it. Uh, or <laughs> use this as an opportunity yeah. to work out some of your more edgy material. <laughs> I'm talking about, uh, you know, if you got if you got a hot take about some social issue that no one wants to touch, yeah. politics, yeah. religion, yeah. you know, any number of issues that normally are a little too politically, cor- you know, yeah. incorrect to address. Look, a wedding is a fun event. Everyone's having a good time. They're not going to be mind if it's marred with a little, uh, you know, politically incorrect humor. So just go with your most edgy stuff you have. And if it doesn't seem like it's going well, double down on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Take read. it to the next level. Read that okay? room. Read that room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just read because because if it's not you, it's them. You right, know, right. that's the thing about shock humor mm-hmm. is it takes a little while to warm them up. Just right. keep getting more and more shocking. Do, do whatever you need to do to, to raise the bar. And by the end of the night, you'll provide everyone with a memorable experience. So I think you just can't miss strategy. I would suggest crowd, strategy. crowd work. People love it when yeah, you like take the mic. Surfing? No, like going out and just individually making fun of every guest, like right there in the room. Like you got the microphone. Who's from Poughkeepsie? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Right, right, right. How long did the doctor yeah. say you got to wear that dress? Ba-dum-ts. Thank uh, you for coming, man. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sir, you know, and then you go through and the whole thing. And you know, you do the little thing where you like bop him on the nose and, you know. You bop him on the nose like Mo and like curling? The thing, like you got, oh, I got something on your shirt. And they look down and you pop him on oh, the nose. Yeah, yeah. But we're moving forward, you know. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, yeah. So he's asking specifically, uh, should he do games? I no. thought that was odd. Nobody, nobody likes I, games. I thought sleight of hand magic. 
Yeah, well, right. that's, yeah. Not, that's not a game. That's magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Close up magic is is anything but a game. Joy. Illusion. <laughs> it's spiritual. Right. Yeah. Well, here's my other advice. I would I would email the bride and groom leading up to the wedding mm-hmm. and say I need a list of everyone who's going to be in attendance and I need to know something very personal and sensitive. No sin is off limits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I want secret sins. I want something they're very self conscious about. I want dark family secrets. And just look at a time to air it out in a funny casual way mm-hmm. but make sure you're calling them out by name and you're going to need a board in your room with polaroids of everyone in attendance mm-hmm. so you can memorize their names so you can point at them yeah. and shame them <laughs> and tell yeah. funny jokes about things that's happened in their past again it's a memorable yeah. thing bring People them up love it. middle of the dance floor and you're just pointing at them what did you do with the thousand dollars grandma gave you right <laughs> what did you do with the thousand dollars grandma gave you you did not go to culinary school that is a lie what did you do with the- and then you just wait till they break down thanks so much for being here aunt julie next up and then you bring them up yeah and regardless regardless of whether he uses it or not he should probably just have a floppy open bible in his left hand the whole time right <laughs> that's a great point yeah that's awesome man so, something that worked really well for me, I uh, emceed my, my brother's wedding. I was also the best man. I at The act- wedding or the wedding reception? Both. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And so I had um, actually dated his wife before Holla. she did. So you're suggesting that this person uh, date the wife before the wedding. That's what my suggestion is, is it works. It's great fodder for speeches. Because uh, you, you have inside knowledge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would also say, and I just this is just Jesse and I working off of like what whatever information you get about the wedding, kind of like service order kinds of things. <laughs> throw that out the window. Disregard. This is <laughs> this is your this is you, this isn't about anyone but you. This is your time to shine. You want to not do a first dance with dad? You get rid of it. You got a joke to do that you want to be in place? You do that. This is about you. They're already married. You understand. We're just trying to keep the crowd. They're not going to remember it. it anyway. No, nobody cares if we're going to do a who knows what toss and who cares about this and that. Like it's all the same thing. I fully expect that while Matt and I are doing our first dance, Jesse and Eddie will be doing their own interpretive dance around us. Yeah, so my assumption is that, that it's our first dance. It's yeah. sort of a, exactly. It's kind of kind of a friend fluidity. Like we're all dancing together and high fiving. So. Joy, you wrote on the program our first dance. <laughs> it is if, if, if the party gets, if, if all the traditional tricks aren't working, bouquet tosses, dances, jokes, what have you. Blow, those blow up guitars that they did at my friend Aaron's bar mitzvah, those were fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I get creative. People love to see feats of physical strength. Yeah. And cool. <laughs> who thinks I can lift this podium? Yeah. Who doesn't think I can? <laughs> and, and just Flipping go over. around the room and try to lift heavy things while people taunt you. Yeah. <laughs> Another just an, an addendum to that, and that's already on our schedule. Something that we and may. Who thinks I can, <laughs> I can lift Uncle Frank? Who thinks I can? Another thing to do is every fifteen to twenty minutes, we're going to do a thing where you know that really cool thing where you can pull the tablecloth out and everything stays on the table <laughs> we're yeah. gonna test that on every table until we get it right so every these are just minutes, rentals right these are yeah. just rentals yeah yeah we're gonna just up <laughs> oh, nope didn't work and then we'll go back we put on macarena we come back we do it again i was thinking of incorporating here's a, here's one thing that i've noticed uh when i go to sonic you guys familiar with sonic the yeah. food yeah. franchise school yeah. uh yeah Roller skates make everything more fun. So what if I'm skating around doing the DJs on, on old school roller skates? Question, are you, are you good on roller skates? 
I haven't been on roller skates in years, yeah. but I think that adds to the excitement for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have no core strength and terrible balance, so no, I'm not good, but I'm going to strap them on, and we're going to... You guys could do tandem I skating. I one roller skate, one roller blade. Can you guys do that? Yeah, we actually can. <laughs> hey, well, I think we're good to go on this. Yeah, I, mean, I think fine. we've covered And I think we've answered the here. Twitter question. Yeah, I think Jacob yeah. is uh, set. Good luck, Jacob. I'd find a friend to do it with. I would get Jacob to find a buddy. That's the one thing I would find. What if Jacob has no friends? Well, I mean, he could probably... I mean, Jeremiah probably would be his You know, friend. actually, I no, might thanks. disagree with that. I actually just had a conversation about this recently because someone asked me not only to officiate their wedding, which I've never been asked before, but to then co MC with someone for the reception. And I was thinking about you guys, and I was like, you know, I actually think unless someone, like, has rapport with the other person and knows how to banter, I think two MCs like you guys would work really well. But if it's two people that don't know each other, it actually doesn't work well. Well, because well, Jesse and I... Uh, Jesse and I, I, I have perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Our rapport is great, is what Eddie's trying to say. I'm yeah. going to continue to talk over him until he starts listening to me. Um, um, I was I at a wedding one time, time, and, and I we, see it's perfect. We are finishing each other's sentences. All right, I'm done with that. That's got to be awful to listen to. <laughs> I, was at, I was at a wedding one time. I might tell the story where the guy who came to do the best mantos. I think he felt would have felt more comfortable if there was someone up there with him. So he made <laughs> he made a sock puppet. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. He made no. a sock puppet that he could like start telling his joke and be like, oh, or, you know, to try to help him set it up. No. And like, was this when that Jeff Dunham guy was popular at that no, Fox this, show? No, this was not trying to play off a trend. This was, I think, something he thought up like the night before when he was rehearsing his toast and realized. It would be better if he could banter a little and didn't have anything to do it with. And it dragged on for an awkwardly long amount of time. That is unbelievable. Well, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely suggest getting a buddy. Yeah, or a sock puppet. I, you know, both of those are flawless strategies. What if you were asked to uh, co MC with an ex boyfriend or girlfriend? Ooh. Like Jeremiah. Dang. I say go for it. Yeah, you got the you got the banter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone everyone's looking at that relational tension the whole yeah. night. It's it yeah. adds a little element of dramatic flair to the yeah. evening. People remember that wedding. Yeah, you've got tension. You've got history. You've got hurt feelings. Everything <laughs> yeah. you want in the wedding. <laughs> Jeremiah is just clinking the glass. <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> Hey, uh, Stephanie, you remember when we went to the county fair together and kissed? (laughs) (laughs) I still miss you. Yeah. Yeah. Still miss you. I wasn't good enough for you or your parents, was I? Hey, who wants to toast? Where's Uncle Frank? Yeah, good luck. (laughs) Stephanie, this could have been us. Could have been us. us. All right, well, moving the show along. I'll never love again. Frank, get over here. I'm going to lift you again. Frank, we got a a problem here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's time for our weekly look back at what's happened in culture and entertainment. Mm. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Stephanie, you smell like lilac. You always have. You always have. It's just kind of a kind of a hint of sunshine in your hair. God, I anyway, you. some scars never heal. <laughs> still going to miss you. So, and, uh, in case you missed it, Stephanie, I still love you and always will. Congratulations. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, we, uh, we mentioned Elton John on last week's show. He's in the news again. That was our song, Stephanie. <laughs> the Killers are working on a new album with Elton John. Uh, it's going to be the follow-up to 2012's Battleborn. Uh, so Elton uh, will be helping frontman Brandon Flowers write songs for the record, and um, he said on his Beats One show he's a lifelong Killers fan, and that he and Brandon Flowers regularly get together. They get each other's creative feedback on new music they're working on, and so they decided to just like 
like take it a step further. And, uh, and, and so Elton, he talks about how he loves young artists and stuff like, like Grimes and James Blake. And he thinks it's important for them to be quote validated by an older artist. So he's just putting his money where his mouth is and helping the new killers album. Elton John rules. I'm super stoked about this project too. Cause Elton John does rule, but the killers have made some really underrated albums. I feel like everyone knows, uh, you know, that they're, they're, uh, hot fuss their debut but some of their latest battleborn and sam's town was those were really good records that, that i feel like still hold up at least yeah uh, you know i mentioned on a, the show a few weeks ago that in our editorial meetings at uh jesse always yeah. talks about weezer uh, uh-huh. the killers is the other one that for the last 10 years of working together <laughs> every time the killers are in the news including a random uh interview on beats one by elton john like, jesse's we, on that beat we got a full court press i this. feel okay i feel like it's notable <laughs> that elton john is working with the killer. Jeremiah, can you validate me for I, one second? It's I, Brandon listen. Flowers' solo album, not really, really good. We played music from it oh on this, yeah, on it this podcast. Yeah, no, he's amazing. Yeah. All, all of my songwriter friends, he's like the cool guy that they want to be. I mean, like, the killers are a big deal in my mind, so I'm going to side with you on this. Jesse no, yeah. and Cameron can make fun of both of us. No, no, no. I'm not saying I mean, that. It's <laughs> not Everything you're saying is valid. I'm just saying I feel like when I hear it, it's very good. It just reminds me of a certain time and place. Yeah. You like, know, and, right. Okay, go listen to Brandon oh, oh, Flowers' yeah, okay. last <laughs> No, circle back no. To you. no, yeah, I will. No, I will. Totally. Yeah. Uh, in case you missed it, The Lonely Island uh, is producing a sketch comedy show for Fox. Uh, Lonely Island is Andy Samberg's comedy troupe with Akiva Schaefer and Yorma Tacone. Yep. Uh, those guys, they're hilarious. Super they're the ones fun. who started the SNL digital shorts really you know, and all funny. that. And really good rappers. Uh, so they're yeah. teaming with actor Paul Shear from The League and Fresh Off the Boat uh, to produce a sketch comedy show that will air on Fox. And I'm thinking, man, I mean, Andy, you're biting the hand that feeds you, you know? And, oh, but wait, it's 30 minutes before SNL starts on NBC. So it's going to come on at 11 p.m. Ooh, like the old days of watching Mad TV for a half yeah, hour. Half an hour and then you switch <laughs> over. So, so uh, Party Over Here is what it's going to be called. Party Over Here. Oh, It'll star a, a trio of young female comedians, uh, Jessica McKenna, Nicole Byer, and Allison Rich, who uh, used to be a, a writer on SNL. The show will feature both traditional comedy performed in front of a studio audience and pre-taped bits, and it debuts March 12th. So it's almost here. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like Chappelle's show style. I love Andy. So is right? it a half hour show? Or are they... Yeah, it's half hour. Yeah. Boom. I, I love That's that. Play cool. nice with the Godfather. Like, yeah. don't... don't me- yeah. That's like cool. It. Andy is so good. I, well, because Andy's on a, on? A, a Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is show. a Lauren Michaels produced show. So it's yeah. like, you, yeah. can't, you can't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Oh, that is awesome. I can't wait for that. Uh, in case you missed it, Stephen King's controversial novel, Revival, is being made into a movie uh, directed by young filmmaker Josh Boone, who helmed the successful adaptation of... Of the Fault in Our Stars, and we'll direct the upcoming X Men: The New Mutants. Oh, uh, the book was a bestseller in 2014, and it's about a charismatic minister who abandons his faith after his family is killed in an accident. Oh. The former preacher starts experimenting with strange electrical currents in an effort sure. to become a faith healer with his own godlike powers. It starts filming later this year. Sounds fun. <laughs> in case you missed it, uh, Jesus made a controversial appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live this week. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Noting how often can- candidates are talking about their Christian faith and the Bible, on Jimmy Kimmel Live, he had an actor portray Jesus and read quotes from political candidates to see how they would sound if they were actually spoken by Christ. So... Uh, 
Kimmel's not like as vocal about faith as Colbert is, uh, but he did grow up in the Catholic Church where he served as an altar boy. Um, and in 2013, he told Rolling Stone he's still religious, adding, quote, I, I uh, don't understand atheism. I don't know how anyone could be sure there isn't a God. Anyway, the, uh, the, the bit got quite a bit of, uh, stirred up a little bit of controversy. Here's a clip of Jesus uh, quoting the candidates. I said Jesus with air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Most all of the candidates go out of their way to talk about the Bible and their faith. So we thought it would be interesting to take real quotes from the primary candidates. These are things these guys actually said. Uh, and we want to get an idea of what they would sound like from the mouth of Jesus. So um, <laughs> here they are. The words of the candidates as read by Jesus himself. You don't lock your doors because you hate the people on the outside. You lock your doors because you love the people on the inside. The fact is that we need appropriate vetting, and I don't think that orphans under five should be admitted into the United States at this point. You don't stop bad guys by taking away our guns. You stop bad guys by using our guns. The other thing is, with the terrorists, you have to take out their families. (laughs) I'll take the votes of everyone who likes machine guns and bacon. (laughs) I will build a wall. It will be a great wall. So there you go. Man, I can't believe those are real. They're real. So crazy. Uh, Wrapping up in case you missed it, Jesse, what happened on the website this week? Um, So uh, we looked at one of the most neglected spiritual disciplines of fasting, which is something that's found throughout Scripture and the Bible, but we don't really hear about it a lot today, especially, uh, I feel like, among millennials. And uh, we we look at how in an ideal world, this is a quote, the practice of fasting would be unnecessary. We uh, maintain our focus on devotion and daily spiritual development without the need to periodically refocus and reorient our lives by denying ourselves the usual practice of eating. Uh, but because we don't live in an ideal world, this is something that we should revisit, and it should be a normal part of our lives. And uh, one of the points that, that I really liked in this piece was fasting is a choice to be very intentional about how God's truth is incorporated in, infect, in affecting our lives. So basically, the article looks at not just why we tend to neglect it and why it's important, but it looks at five ways to remind yourself to, to incorporate it into your life, which, like I said, I feel like it's an issue that isn't really addressed that much yeah. in a lot of churches, uh, but it's something that it, we, we find throughout not just uh, the, the Bible, but the ministry of Christ itself started by a fast. Well, I think that's, I mean, no, I think that's great. And I think, but maybe we haven't heard it, uh, heard about it with millennials that much because they're actually following, doesn't it say in scripture, if you do this, don't like make it known, do it in private. So maybe the millennials are fasting weekly in an attitude of prayer, but they're just not telling anyone we that they're it. doing we it. We get it. We fast, Joy. We get well, it. Got we it. Get All right, it. Joy. Just... I haven't eaten for the last three days, you guys. I'm so hungry. You're getting the muffin already. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're coming into the season of Lent, so I mean, fasting is, yeah. is absolutely kind of more in the spotlight right now. My yeah. church just went through a corporate fast, uh, encouraged everybody to fast a couple weeks ago uh, for seven days, and, uh, and it really taught on it. It was really good. It was important because I think it's like, I think people don't, do it not because of disobedience, but because of kind of ignorance about the emphasis that Christ really did put on 
was, uh, that practice. Was the fast, like, were they saying, like, and also be praying about this, or moving yeah. towards this? What was it? Well, uh, the next week was, ended up being Vision Sunday. We were part of a church plant and stuff, but uh, every every year, the church and the parent church fast. They do a 21-day fast at the other church, um, but we did seven days, and uh, there was a number of things that were in front of the church. It was mainly, you know, for our city, uh, for people to, to come and find Christ, and, and different things that we were all believing for. Um, we've seen a lot of people get saved at the ch- at, on Sunday mornings in the last you know couple months, mm-hmm. and there seems to be like God's doing something. Um, and so the church leadership said, "Hey, let's fast together." And, and then he taught on it and why, and then also gave practical. Like, there's here's four different kind of versions of fasting, you know, and like mm-hmm. like kind of finding what God's calling you to do, but really mm-hmm. challenged the entire church body to to do one of them, to do something together, and uh, use that time mm-hmm. uh, very intentionally. And I'll tell you, I ended up doing just a liquid fast. That was one of the options. And on Sunday, the next Sunday, we had communion, and uh, I didn't. I didn't know when we were breaking the fast. Mm-hmm. And the fa- when he announced that we were doing communion, it was like, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Because it was the first, that little tiny cracker oh, was yeah. like manna from heaven, man. Well, kind of was. Amazing. Yeah. I'll <laughs> take three, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, I, I saw this article two weeks after I was kind of my, you know, our mm-hmm. church and my uh, yeah. wife were kind of thinking about it. I thought it was really good timing. But. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it, it's such an interesting spiritual principle, especially when you get into Romans and they talk about, you know, the battle between the flesh and the spirit. This is a way that we can actively, you know, address that tension in, in a way that's biblical that, yeah, I think it's, it's like you said, it's good timing too, especially around Lent. The, the thought of prayer and fasting being kind of one. I mean, and then uh, that week uh, when we were going through, when we were fasting together, we had like a uh, worship gathering on Friday night and like, it was just really like a, a different emphasis for the week. It was really cool. Um, Okay, well, moving on. That'll do it for... In case you missed it. Uh, Entertainment releases. Music coming out on Friday, February 19th. Animal Collective is coming out with Painting With. I like Animal Collective. Ra Ra Riot is coming out with Need Your Light. Simple Plan is coming out with Taking One for the Team. Yoko Ono. It's coming oh out with Yes, really? I'm a Witch Too. Cute. Yes, no. I'm a Witch Too. What? That's literally has, the name of the album. She has one of my favorite Twitter feeds. It is absolutely... Just yeah, I, crazier I, than Kanye's. I, yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe like it. Like what? Give us an example. I I can't. It's always like stuff like, um, be the light that shines inside of you into the. You're like, I think that's a sentence, but I don't understand how all the words go together. It's <laughs> certain, it's certainly the King's English, but what? <laughs> it's like well, when Kanye was interviewed this past week about his new album, and he, he was asked to describe it, and he just said ultra light beams and i was thinking what more does a man need to say ultra light beams <laughs> yeah. i totally got that right yeah yep. well yeah yoko ono out with a new album that should be uh it's called yes Mel- i'm a witch too melodic uh and lastly nine lashes is coming out with ascend movies coming out also on february 19th uh race the jesse owens story sorry oh, yeah. inspiring good uh risen uh which is the epic biblical story of the resurrection as told through the eyes of a non-believer Clavius, a powerful Roman military tribune, and his aide, Lucius, are tasked with solving the mystery of what happened to Jesus in the weeks following dun, the crucifixion dun, dun. in order to disprove the rumors of a risen Messiah what? and prevent an uprising in Jerusalem. Uh, this is Joseph Fine's movie that he was on the show a couple weeks ago talking yep. about. Yeah, that looks awesome. I bet they prove it. And uh, also coming out, The Witch, which is the Yoko Ono biopic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New England, 1630. That's nice. It looks very creepy. All right, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Your wedding tips and entertainment releases. Stay tuned up next. Slices.
listening to Magic Jordan. Uh, the song is "Make It Work." Uh, Magic Jordan is on OVO, Drake stuff. All the oh, Canadians yeah, yeah. up there making great music. Uh, this album just came out. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, Magic Jordan is actually not a dude's name. It's a two dudes. One is Majid and one is Jordan. Oh, there you go. Right, nice. okay. they're like producers and stuff. They they had a big song with uh, Drake on his last album and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, they're awesome. Yeah, Check they're them great. out. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard the Magic Gang, which is not me and my friends at the basketball games, <laughs> uh, but the Magic Gang with the song Jasmine. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so some interesting news in the the world of Netflix. Televangelism is now coming to the platform. So the Netflix recently struck a deal with four prominent pastors, Joyce Myers, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, and Ed Young, really? who now have sermon series that you can binge watch on Netflix. So what? they they are embracing, yeah. well, th- this is the first step in, in possibly embracing televangelism. Now, there's a couple interesting wrinkles to this story. If it's not interesting enough that televangelism has uh, made it into the streaming era, uh, it's a it's a two year deal that these churches struck with Netflix, and it was helmed by Ed Young of Fellowship Church and, and the author. But the two year deal, Netflix is actually paying the churches for the content, which in that's sort of innovative in the world of televangelism because a lot of times they pay to get on TV traditionally. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now they're receiving revenue, which is, is, is different, but it comes with a caveat from Netflix. Uh, the executive director of marketing uh, for Joyce Meyer Ministries told RNS that Netflix did put a couple caveats. They didn't want to censor any of the messages themselves, but they cannot ask for donations in any of the sermon series on Netflix, and they can't promote any products in the actual uh, shows either. What so kind of products those, do they promote? Well, at the end of every Christian ministry show on the Christian channel, the last five minutes is trying to sell the DVD series of that teaching, an upcoming oh, ministry That's event. a different caliber. Andy Stanley's not going to get no. up there and be like, I'll buy this necklace I mean, and I'll bless books. you. I mean, T.D. Jakes does and uh, uh, Joyce Myers does. and well, Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the caliber. Yeah, but, that's, in, yeah, but that's, that's what's interesting to me about those four is they're pretty different yeah, in yeah, yeah. how they approach yeah. the 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 point of a sermon and the response to that sermon. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also I feel like for a lot of televangelism and maybe my view is skewed just on, you know, the, what you see as the stereotype in your mind, but a lot of the programming is based on a lot of times fundraising. And so to, to disallow that at least will preserve the integrity of some of the messages though. I, <laughs> I went and looked up here are the sermon series titles. Most of these are four or five messages and they're all highly produced and that's part of the reason netflix went with these four different ministries it's because they have uh high production so it's almost like when netflix does a comedy special or something it's like really well shot and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah they wanted to make sure that the churches had their own like media departments that are going to produce good you know it's not going to be a poor quality even the graphics when you look at like when you're browsing netflix look like they belong on the platform but the names of the sermon series two of them are <laughs> so cringeworthy. I- I'm going to read, okay, Joyce Myers and Andy Stanley played it pretty straight. Joyce Myers is winning life's battles, so sort of a help, self-help thing. Sure. But if you were stumbling through Netflix, 
you know, you could watch and be like, oh, maybe I'll get something out of this. It's like 4 a.m. On, yeah. on a Saturday yeah. night. You're yeah. just barely hanging on. You tied one on pretty bad. Fired. And you see Winning yeah. Life's Battles. You're like, you know what? I need some positivity. You're going to watch it. I got to watch yeah. Joyce. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to watch four hours of, jo- of The Voice of Joyce. Or even Andy Stanley. Oh, they should have called note. it The Voice of Joyce. They, they yeah. really should have. I would have watched that just so you're asking. <laughs> Andy Stanley's is the His Sermon series called Starting Over. So again, oh, yeah. it's kind Great. of the same note. That's a, yeah. I've it's seen going to one. appeal to someone just browsing Netflix, possibly. Starting right. Over is really good. I've yeah. Yeah. seen it. It's so, been out. It's awesome. So <laughs> here are the names of Stephen Furtick's and Ed Young's sermon series on now, Netflix. Now, Jesse, these are actual people. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand oh, that. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, Eddie, I'm not, why do you think I'm saying anything no, disparaging? I'm just feels, saying the names of their sermon series. I didn't name them. I'm <laughs> just stating hurtful. a fact, feels an objective hurtful. fact. All right. So... I guess Stephen Furtick's isn't too bad. Hashtag death to selfie. No. no. Uh, bummer. No. no. Okay. Oh, okay. the worst. No. Can I get a drum roll for what Ed, <laughs> Ed Young's Netflix? Now, now, Ed Young famously is the older brother of Cliff Young from Cademan's Call. And also uh, the son of Ed Young Sr., who was the founding pastor of this massive ministry. Uh, but Ed David. Young, uh, most famously, is the founder and force behind uh, PastorFashion.com. Oh, so, where what? he talks about how pastors should wear Spanx and stuff like that and get in shape and all what? that. Yeah, and he's also known for... Uh, some didn't they do something where they were like challenging people's like sex lives or something and they got on the roof of their church for 24 yes. hours yes you know, he, he he slept on top of uh, his his church with his wife in a bed as part of a sex experiment publicity stunt yeah. so Smart. so his sermon series gotta get a drum roll do we have a drum roll phil <laughs> Jeremiah, put it in the background gotcha. you can binge watch right now 50 shades of day uh, no no, I, I gotta tell you, church no. sermon naming has got to end. But yeah. can I just say how that is that the, still? How does not everybody go like, oh, that was the thing we did in the nineties? How how is that still existing? The other thing that I feel like is a little bit—I don't want to say shady, but kind of weird about this—is that you know there he. I, I don't know. I don't know his intentions, but it seems like a part of the motivation, in, in, in addition to having like a weird kind of, I guess, clever pop culture tie-in, is that there's no way to hack like the SE. Like for Google, you can like you do things to pump up your SEO. So when people are searching for things, it'll come uh, up. Yeah. But if he knows people are searching in Netflix for uh, Fifty Shades of Grey to watch, like the movie, uh, that there's a likelihood that his sermon series will show up to those people. And ironically, it has, it, to ouch. my knowledge, it has nothing to do with like you know porn or anything it's it's about relationships or whatever but anyway for 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 better or worse televangelism (laughs) is now on netflix uh this deal with these four ministries is is two years long so we'll at least have them for now possibly more in the future gosh there you go wow all right what do you have eddie (laughs) what i have is disgust and i just can't get past it uh joy i'm gonna let you choose we have i have two slices for you to choose from one and this is going to be a really hard choice for you one is about beyonce and the other one is about kurt russell you choose oh beyonce (laughs) uh twist they're the one in the same, oh, right? Twist. Oh, Twist. They are the same person. Have you ever seen them in the room no, together? No, 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 Twist is the one in the same slice, right? Is that the twist? Uh, 
No, that was oh. two different songs. <laughs> okay. The, the actual twist is they're the same person. That oh. was what was really weird. Um, Beyonce, and we're going to have to tread lightly with this, but Beyonce came out with a new song this past week, um, of which I would suggest you listen Formation? to the clean version. There is a clean version. that um, Always a clean version. Clean version of Beyonce's song. It is a, I like this song a lot. It's got some interesting themes in it. One thing that happened, though, was that uh, in it, she drops a reference, and I'm not even going to quote the line because uh, it's... Uh, just listen to the clean version. Um, but she drops a reference to Red Lobster. Now, Red Lobster, I, I kind of can't believe it, but Red Lobster has not had, let's say, some great years. Um, I mean, you know, they're good. Uh, uh, the whole Shamu controversy. Right. The, mm-hmm, yeah, and the <laughs> blackfish and stuff. People yeah, right. just feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, you know, just see. We're just kind of like off sea. Yeah. sea creatures um, yeah, i mean not even not even the bugs of the sea right right but we can't we're not even going yeah. near them yeah no um so uh kim lopdrop one of the executives there and a guy that we both went to church with um said which i was so weird that i read his name in a news article it's like it's like uh the the lawyer from arrested development blah, blah, yeah. blah. Blah, blah, well, blah. let me ask this kid lopdrop does he work in the lobster industry he does work <laughs> 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 yeah. so uh mr lopdrop <laughs> said that lobster they, man lopdrop that yeah. they were absolutely delighted about the Beyonce reference in the song and over the weekend hold on does anybody know this story no no, no. Jesse I, I, I I'm, I'm right up on the Kurt yeah. Russell news what yeah. what would you say was the effect on Red Lobster sales because Beyonce said the word Red Lobster in her song on a what was it, like Thursday it came out or Friday. Thursday yeah what would you say I would see an uptick of 30 percent 33 percent they had 33% higher sales this weekend. No. Just, and, and, there, and it was inexplicable. It's not you like this it is, is a, It's not like Easter weekend where but people it's go like out to that eat. That's a liminal messaging thing. You, somebody, they, she planted the idea, and the second they heard the song, they, they smelled the cheese biscuits. They, they smelled the cheese biscuits. Warm, and so it's like you, ha- you, have to, you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you it's know what I think mind. it is, too? It's Red Lobster is one of those places that have been around so long that you forget it's an option. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's oh, yeah, furniture. you know what? I, yeah. I haven't yeah. been to Red Lobster in forever. I always forget, like, when I'm naming places I should go to dinner, I'm not even thinking Red Lobster. Well, Let's- because Red Lobster is where you go with your grandparents on your ninth birthday, and everyone knows that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or, and it's only, it is a restaurant that is fully supported by a single item, which is the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Right. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. To, wi- to which, by the way, they tweeted. Now, their tweet game was slow because the internet is blowing up. It's trended. It's off trend. Well, when you think of like a cutting edge top of their game social media candidates you don't think that they're flocking to be em- of the employee I of mean, red lobster but they still could be like denny's twitter is amazing that's true they're like on top but they should but ha- they're eating waffles all day they have no, people go to denny's ironically eddie yeah. that's the thing like there are ironic hipster denny <laughs> but goers. the moon's over miami is really good See, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah, portland fresh and fruity like gonna people- have games at her wedding right yeah yeah <laughs> perfect no one's going to red lobster ironically that's that's part of the reason they can't get those prime ironic social media marketing candidates yeah so they tweeted finally hours after it had already trended and not trended they said cheddar bay biscuits b-e-y biscuits <laughs> has a nice ring to it don't you think and to which the the internet collectively groaned as we did but the beyonce effect you just that say a, the, that was a dad joke yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, was oh my god what i got one. <laughs> hold on hold on hold on they what call her bay see they what call are, her bay what are what the kids say yeah so uh yeah so that was uh i thought that was really interesting um you know what i'm gonna do the 
Russell one really quick. Kurt Russell was on set of <laughs> Hateful Eight, had to break a guitar. They give yeah. him a uh, Martin guitar. It was a priceless guitar from the 1800s, and they had six duplicates. So he's supposed to play the guitar and break the guitar, but he's supposed to play it. They're going to pause it and give him one of the six duplicates. They told everybody about Kurt Russell, at which point he then destroyed in front of the entire crew no. a priceless no. 1810 Martin guitar that is no. one of a kind, can never be replaced. No. Oops. <laughs> and they, now they have six perfectly fine duplicates, and the Martin people were fairly cool about it. But if you watch Hateful Eight, you see, I guess it's Jennifer Connelly reacts. It's Jennifer Jason Lee, I think. Because she knew that it was supposed to be replaced. And so what, she's act, what you're actually seeing on her face is actual, like, hey, you just Terror. destroyed the Mona Lisa in front of me. Right. So yeah. that was my other slice for you. What'd wow. you guys? Did you guys see that movie? I saw on New Year's night, 10 minutes before the clock struck midnight. Oh, that's really wow, romantic. Wow, that's... Yeah, and it's like a three and a half hour long movie. Well, yeah. actually, that's going to be part of your reception is we're going to do a hateful eight screening. We're going to pause we everything. We're going to get everybody set up in front of the big mission. TV. <laughs> hey, get your pillows and your popcorn. Now yeah. we're going to watch the hateful eight. <laughs> um, and also I have to be rude, everyone, but I have to excuse myself because I have to go pick up my children now. So, oh, wow. so wow. sorry. I have to miss all the good stuff. I just I'm going to have a life changing slice for you. I bet it is. So. Bye. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to exit the show if Cameron doesn't say like I'm Eddie Coffold. So right, whatever. Yeah. Say I, don't, I don't say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you have, Joy? Okay. Well, you know, you guys know I have taken a turn to start doing investigative reporting. Yes. So um, that's. But I'm not going to abandon the opening with a riveting question. Sure. So why at this point? You guys like Chipotle, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're off to a good start. So. Um, I guess recently Chipotle had like a E. coli scare or something. Oh, did you hear about that? Yes, okay. correct. Yeah, but that's besides the point. We don't care about that. <laughs> to make up for it, though, they told people that um, if they texted rain check to a number, that they could get a free burrito. Did you guys hear about that? No, I didn't hear about I that. I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, did you do it, Jesse? I did not. Okay. You didn't. Well, you didn't get a free burrito. For just having to text someone, I, I'm still not totally comfortable with Chipotle. Uh, I'm not saying there's any. I'm not saying that the scare isn't over, but I personally didn't do it. But I did hear that they were trying to make it up to people by offering them free burritos. Huh? Yeah, you can have any type of disease in your food, and if the next day you tell me you're going to give it to me free, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, anyways, apparently what happened is that the number that they gave was a six-digit number. It was eight 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 two two two. And then you texted rain check. Right. Well, several people added an extra two to the end of that number. And poor Hank Levine, uh, who has nothing to do with Chipotle, but that is his actual phone number. Oh, no. Uh, got texted rain check nonstop on Monday. Oh, bummer. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. So I thought, well, maybe I'll check in with Hank. Um, <gasps> <laughs> but I'm not so good at investigative reporting yet because I, 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 uh, it took me a few tries. I first typed in 888-2222. Didn't okay. go through. Had to keep trying it. Then I realized, oh, yeah, we live in a day where I have to put in area codes. <laughs> <laughs> so then I did some sleuth researching, and I looked up what's the... Because Hank is in the D.C. area. Yeah. Okay. So I looked it up. You guys know the D.C. area code? 212. 
Whoa, really close. It's well, the one I looked up was 202. So I texted Hank at the 202 area code. Then I got like an auto response. I was like, thanks for your message, da, 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 but it's like auto response. So I'm like, wow, Hank set up an auto response. But then I did some more investigation and I saw that they had done a screenshot of his phone, which gave a different area code of 240. Uh, mm-hmm. And I tried that <laughs> and I think I got through to. To Hank. No. But he hasn't responded. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to toss to a no, clip. Oh, no, no, but that's what I was going to say. So, like, so, so when you say you think you got through, do you mean that you left a voicemail? Or? It means I didn't get an auto response. It means that the rain check thing went through. But so now live, I'm thinking, should we do this live where you guys tell me something to text Hank? Because now I know his name. It's almost like Go Butler. Yeah. What I'm disappointed is that I actually texted rain check. What I should have done Said Hank. is texted, hey, Hank. How's it going? Invite him to your wedding. Hey, 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 Hank. This is, uh, my name is Sarah Koenig, and I am a reporter. <laughs> no, boom, no, don't boom, say boom. name. Just say I'm a reporter. Hey, Hank, I'm a reporter. You're like, he might yeah. want to talk about yeah, see what the happens. thing that's happening. Hank, he might be outraged. How do you feel about all the invasive texts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like this one. Hashtag rain, hashtag rain check. Will you ever eat at Chipotle again? You got you got you got to lead him. You got to lead him into the conversation okay. you want to have. You guys, I just sent it. Look, I'll show you for proof. I just saw yeah, it just sent. It says delivered. Delivered. I'm just going to stare at it. If I see bubbles, I know I've hooked him. Boom, boom, bubbles. Boom, boom. Bubbles. Oh, look. oh no. Look at that. Way, you guys, this is oh, so right. exciting. Oh, no. oh, here he goes. Oh. He wrote. Oh, look. what do you say? What do you say? Proof, proof, proof. Draining my battery a bit, and I had to turn off notifications to get any sleep. But mostly, I just wish Chipotle would be interested in getting the 300 people who texted me their burritos. Oh, what, what a nice guy. He's the best. I love Hank. Uh, I'm going to write back. What should I say? You're a sweetheart. You should get free Chipotle for life. Do you want me to negotiate that for you? I, I, I'm i sure you have the power to do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, No more bubbles from Hank. So anyways, well, I can't believe I heard back from him, but that's amazing. What man, a sweetheart, Hank. That's awesome. I'm going to work on getting him free burritos for life well done well that'll do it for slices stay tuned up next propaganda to Mudo, comma, M, period, Maggie. It's mm-hmm. Mudo and M, Maggie. Uh, the song is This Girl. Pretty great track. Yeah. Well, Propaganda is probably most known uh, for, his, for his music. He's, got, he's a great rapper on Humble Beast, um, one of our, our favorite guys. He's also a spoken word artist and poet. And he, in December, he released a new book called I Am Becoming. It's uh, phenomenal. There's, uh, you know, one of his poems, and then he asked people to give a reflection oh, cool. as well. It's, it's beautifully designed and laid out. It's, it's a great project. But that's not what we're talking to him about. He's a friend. He's a friend of mine, friend of relevance. And um, we have had some amazing conversations about race and the church and everything. And given that it's Black History Month, I thought it would be cool to have him come on because if anybody would say what needs to be said mm, to speak, me. Speak the truth. 
in love. It would be him. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I, th- yeah, anyway, so just as we've been talking about Black History Month and, and all the kind of the race stuff that's been in the news and things and, and, and figuring out what we need to say, you know, ongoing. I mean, what, yeah. what we need to be saying, you know, it's just one of these things of like, let's bring prop on the show. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's put it on the table. So um, we spoke this week, and uh, what you're about to hear is a, is a piece of my conversation with Propaganda. So, uh, we're friends, right? Absolutely. Um, so, is it okay if I ask you some dumb white guy questions? Uh, <laughs> absolutely. All right. What do you think? What do you honestly think about Black History Month? Like, is it... I, tell me, is it a source of pride for the African-American community? Or, 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 or is it like you're frustrated that it's just like one month? As far as Black History Month is concerned, I've never met an African-American that was not excited about Black History Month and didn't want to take time to kind of celebrate, uh, you know, the narrative of America that, you know, is is broadly ignored when it comes to your understanding and, you know, educational process of the shaping of our country. Um, you know, you, you, most of the time, at least in, in a traditional school, you learn and Chris Rock made a joke about it, like you thought all of Black history was Martin Luther King. You know, and uh, you know who, you know who, who fought civil rights. Martin Luther King. You know, what country are black people from? Martin Luther Kingdom. <laughs> you know, uh, so you don't, you just don't learn anything else. So, uh, you know, those those things are are, are wonderful to us. Uh, and I think from a um, kind of from a fifty thousand foot perspective, to, to kind of put it in perspective, you would say this like, you know, if you have two kids, right, or even three kids, or heck, if you have one kid, you know. Um, and you relocate a day to celebrate their birth, which we call a birthday, right? Um, does does the celebration of a birthday imply that you're not going to celebrate your child for the rest of their life, for the rest of their day of the year? Like, I'm only going to do something for my child on their birthday, right? And 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 does any parent say, well, we're not just going to celebrate your birthday? I don't think that's fair because you have a sibling and. We should celebrate you every day. Therefore, we're not going to celebrate your birthday because we celebrate you every day. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. That's a powerful analogy. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't look at your kid and say, well, you know what? You know what, son? I'm not going to buy you a gift today because you're a part of our family and every day in our family is important. So we don't celebrate you just your one day. Right. It's ridiculous. Like, no, son, I'm going to celebrate you today and And, tomorrow. But today is special. You know? That's Great. true. I think that this, that, you know, this this idea of like, I which I'm gonna coin a term right now, but like I would say like quasi equality or like pseudo equality, um, which basically I I think kind of lobbies to erase our distinctions um, is really something that if I'm gonna shoot straight, I really think it's it's a white construct that's mm. attempted to make you feel less uh, 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 a little more at ease about. The, the historical narrative that created the need for Black History Month. So, like, so if we so if we just kind of say, oh, you know, we're, we're kind of all equal now, it's just like, well, no, you know, you you kind of set this up. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so if we just do this, it, it kind of puts you off the hook now. Hmm. And that's not, you know, that's that's, that's not equality. That's uh, that's that's more privilege. That's more uh, supremacy. That would create comfortability for you. You know what I'm saying? And that's, 
what would you want to see like the church do differently in this month? You know, would you want to see like churches celebrate Black History Month or again, like that tension of only yeah. celebrate, you know, I could see that the churches would be hesitant to do that because it would, it would, you know, not be something that yeah. they would do all year long. And would you like to see something happen like in the church? Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's in the same way of like, like I say, like using the analogy of a birthday, the, the, the birthday does not assume that we're never going to talk about you for the rest of the year. You know what I'm saying? That just doesn't assume that. So if there's a context of, you know, uh, black history being kind of intimately um, integrated into just the fabric and the structure of your church community, whether it's from the stage or from, you know, the elders meeting all the way down to just the processes of, of just, it's just integral to your personhood, then you're going to see like moments of these things acknowledged throughout the whole year. So then it's not tokenism when you stop and say, we're going to take this month specifically to talk about this specific thing, you know? What would you rather see white leaders talking about black issues or, or, or white leaders giving the microphone to black leaders <laughs> to talk about black issues? <laughs> um, I'd say both and. Okay. But I think it has a much more to do with a, um, a relational kind of sort of understanding to where like, you know, if you have a white leader talking about black issues, like you, you would speak from a white perspective, like like being honest about who you are and your experience in America and what you've seen mm-hmm. and um, not necessarily putting words in someone else's mouth, but saying, no, I'm looking at the same issues you are. This is what I see. You know what I'm saying? Um, and being willing to say that and that sort of sort of honesty. And then if you're truly multicultural, if you're truly integrated, then you're not going to have to scramble to find a black person to talk about black issues because that dude's sitting right next to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, yeah, he's one of our staff members. You know, we talk about it all the time. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, again, it's not a strange, uncomfortable kind of transition to talk about that because, you know, you've, you've been comfortable as a white leader, you know, being integrated into multi into multiple cultures. So speaking on it is not hard because you're speaking from an informed position and a position that is honest about your own like role in that you know what i'm saying yeah. um so to me that's that's what i would like to see is is when a white leader is speaking i would know beyond a shadow of a doubt when that person opens their mouth that clearly it shows that they have a true relationship with people of color and they're speaking from from that rather than from a sort of white guilt or like a or like a white man's burden or any of those like sort of um you know constructs that still come from a position of privilege but really coming from a position of a uh, uh, true integration so what's your what's your hope what's your vision for like okay so black lives matter came out of a basically a genocide that was happening that nobody was talking about and it was a response it's a response it's like i mean like finally we've had enough like okay yeah so okay let's not talk about things that are a response to something that's core broken let's fast forward what's your hope and what's your vision how do we get to a new future how 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 does the church take lead on racial reconciliation and true healing i mean you're talking about we got to deal with core issues we got to repent for some core things what are those things that you want to see happen man i think that uh first of all there needs to be you know an acknowledgement of wrong and 
even as a church, like your participation in that wrong. Like, yeah. let's be real. Yeah. You're telling me there was no, like not one pastor in the 1700s that looked at a Native American tribe and went, guys, I don't, I, I don't think we should wipe them out. Like, do, do we, do we really kill them all? Like, guys, should we kill them all? Like, yeah. are they in this Paris? Like, you tell me nobody said that, you know what I'm saying, right? And if nobody said that, then someone today needs to go, hey guys, let me, okay, guys, let me say this. We, we, we should have said something. Like, we sh we're, sorry, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just acknowledge that, yeah, we participated. Um, we shouldn't have, but we did. You know, you tell me like some, there was no church leader that stood on the shores of South Carolina at mm. Charleston, the biggest slave ship port and went, guys, what, what the hell are we doing, guys? Like, it's, you can, you know, you can't own people, right? You know, you, you can't own people. Like, that's, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody could have said something. And if they did, you know, and some did, let's talk about them. Let's talk about those things. Let's be honest and say, hey, dude, there was a plethora of thought. There were, there were believers out there that thought this was ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about that. And then there were believers that didn't think that was ridiculous. And for that, I repent. But for that, I own, I was wrong for this. You know what I'm saying? And I participated and, let's be real, benefited from these structures. Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? There was there was a number of financial and economic growth that happened in the American church from gross national sin. Let's be real. You know? So I think that that first acknowledgement to me is step one. You know? And then saying, and then the other acknowledgement is being like, well, yeah, well, now that we're here, you know, 150 years later after slavery, which is another funny one to me. I think uh, Louis C.K. brought that up too. He was like, man, anytime you talk to a white person, they add another 100 years to slavery. <laughs> it was 400 years ago. No, it was 150. <laughs> like, it, it just it just ended. Like, it wasn't 400 years ago. Right. Our country's not even that old. Like, it was, it, it was recent, okay? Um, so I think that that, like, sort of acknowledgement um, to me would be step one and then sort of the work towards uh, reconciliation I think happens uh, first from that acknowledgement and then second from like a structural perspective like I said you, you, you wouldn't have to go find like a like a black dude to like ordain as a deacon and add to your elder board if like you legitimately had black relationships you know what I'm saying yeah. um, and you know, read black authors in your seminary and, you know what I'm saying, and, and understood even just the way for which the black experience understands knowledge and understands song and understands all those things. So if all that's already integrated into the fabric of the person and the structure of your church organization, then the next steps become so easy because this is already who I am and I'm allowing these things to kind of shape the person and the way for which I see the world. I. Oftentimes, like, I, I, I kid about having, like, a varsity-level white card in the sense that, like, I can tell you exactly who Sufjan Stephen is. Yes, I went to see Wilco. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yes, I own a Jeff Tweedy uh, album. You know what I'm saying? So, like, because I got, I got a white card. And why I got a white card is because I got white dudes that truly live in my life. You know what I'm saying? And, like, have truly shaped my taste and my desires and the things that I like to do, dude, come on, Cameron, I run, I own a coffee roastery. Yeah. Like, I got a craft coffee company. 
that's because I I know and love white people. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like it's part of my life. So I think that when you have that true like sort of biculturalism, then the next step as a Christian and as a body becomes extremely natural because this is the life we live. You know what I'm saying? This is who we are. This is this is the way my Tuesday goes just as much as the way that my Sunday goes. So I think that um, I'd like to see a more of a, a not so much, hey, let's go find, you know, different chess pieces of color to apply to a structure mm. that's still created from a white perspective. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Let's not mm. just go find black things to put into a white structure. It's like, no, let's look at the structure. Right. Are we still thinking like, you know, are we still thinking like dominant culture? And let's go, okay, well, maybe there's another way to look at information. I met a young dude, uh, well, not a young dude, an older, like Native American guy that was, we were talking about this very thing and he was like, yeah, dude, when, when you know, certain like Native tribes talked about going to war, or, or what they were gonna do or where they were gonna travel as far as like hunting and stuff like that. You had a board of elders, you know, or board if you will, but like a council of, of the elders. And all of those dudes actually referenced the mothers. So you had a, you had the, the tribal leaders, which were men, would meet and then they would turn and talk to the moms. And then the moms would make the call and then they would go and talk to each other and say, you know what, mom's right. And then that's how the decisions were made. You know what I'm saying? That's a whole other structure mm-hmm. than what we would picture a like council of elders would be. Mm-hmm. Like the council is counseled. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I say all that to say, it's just another way to look at it structurally. So what I'm saying is like, let's not let's not just add black pieces to a structure let's look at the structure itself and i think that when you do that even as a church and say how much of like our our ecclesiology is really just victorian or greek you know what i mean rather than truly biblical i think that that opens the door for the church to really start stepping towards like reconciliation hearing what you're saying man like it's not about just plugging in diversity to kind of like you know kind of integrate for integration's sake but celebrating the biculturalism and and having yeah. a relationship and building bridges and ce- yeah. celebrating the differences but it's out of a place of relationship and understanding and not you know i think, yeah. I think you, you're you, it's really hard to hate somebody that you know you know <laughs> you know their name you, absolutely but you're scared of what you don't know right you know and, yeah absolutely and i think that really the 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 indictment of sunday morning being very segregated is really has to do with not so much the church itself but the church members social structures you know what i'm saying it's more like you're gonna sit with you're gonna go to a church where you feel comfortable you know what i'm saying like you said and with people you know people you relate to people you're gonna uh, uh you know quite possibly live life with and live life outside of this church with you know what i'm saying um and if and if your social structure is you know monocultural the church is going to look like, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so it's, it's, I feel like a lot of times we, you know, we, we, we throw grenades at like the church itself. You know what I'm saying? The church may look like the community. Like if you're in a, you're in rural Kansas, yeah. there's really only white people there. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, I mean, is it that dude's fault? Like it's not their fault. That's right. the city. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of got to look at 
you're, so in that case, you, you're looking at diversity differently. Is it financially diverse? Is it, is it, uh, you know, age group for diverse? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, there's, there's so many like ways to look at that. But I think, again, it has to more do to with the, the social communities of the, of the members rather than, um, solely being what's happening on the stage. Because again, like you said, if your leadership of, of your church truly lives by cultural lives, then they're going to bring the people that are in their life. And the people that are in their life are from multicultures. Yeah. Therefore, that's what's going because they're comfortable. Like I'm comfortable around people of color because that's who I live with. So that's what my church looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, I appreciate you shooting straight with us and always like yeah, man. bringing the truth. I mean, I, I I celebrate Black History Month. I love this. I love that. I love what you're saying. I mean, I love that you're pushing things. And, um, yeah. you know, my hope, my hope for the future, like, man, seeing leaders like you raising up and uh, influencing the church and influencing culture, man, I just... And that you're yeah. bold and you're outspoken about, man, things got to change. And uh, that gives me hope that they will, you know, so. Yeah, man. And I mean, and you're like, you're a great example of, you know, the opposite thing, the, the irrelevant itself. But, you know, specifically Mr. Cameron, because like some of y'all may not know his uh, vast knowledge of 90s R&B. <laughs> like this guy knows soul music and just. Just the quiet storm, dude. like keeping it soft and warm on the quiet storm. Come on, there it is. The dude, <laughs> the dude, slow jam knowledge is uncanny. <laughs> so, like, if you look like, here, you want to understand black culture, why don't you go ahead and just subscribe to Cameron's Spotify playlist on <laughs> slow funny. jam? All right, man. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, dude. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, you're you're out on tour now. Everybody go check out Prop's website and find out where he's on tour. He's got some big stuff in motion this year. And, uh, man, I'm happy that you're a friend. I'm happy you came on. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you all. She closes her eyes to the hero's demise. Holds to a hope beyond the sky. She takes a breath. Weight comes off her chest. She finds a way to weather through the storm She cried out, oh, I need me some hope Oh, I need me some hope You're listening to our next guest, Johnny Swim. The song is Home. One of their hit songs from their debut album that really broke out a couple years ago mm-hmm. and obviously is on the live album. Uh, that just released last week. Well, this uh, segment is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses that are sold for a fraction of kind of the normal price. (laughs) The Casper mattresses are obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. (laughs) They have just the right sink and just the right bounce. There's two technologies that they use, uh, latex foam and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. We we have Casper mattress, yeah, and uh, have had it here in the studio and have tested it. The whole staff, everybody, yeah, just lays literally, down on, yeah. literally, it's an amazing mattress. Yeah, um, it's fantastic, and and at great price too. With Casper, you get a uh, risk free trial, and they have a return policy. Just try sleeping on a Casper for hundred days with free delivery and painless returns. The mattresses are made in America, uh, and you're asking how much? How much is a fair price, right? Okay, it's about five hundred bucks for a twin sized. Uh, mattress and 950 for king size mattress so compared to industry averages right, which that, are nuts that's like 
cost of what it costs to yeah. make those mattresses. It's not the same price point. And hey, listen, all you all you listeners who are maybe in your earlier twenties and you're like moving into apartments and mm-hmm. stuff like that, don't buy mattresses off Craigslist. Oh no, please, you, please. You don't know what happened. No. Okay. Why are they selling that mattress? <laughs> you know. So anyway, don't don't cheap out and get that fifty dollar mattress that kind of has a weird smell. Yeah. Just be an adult. And spring for something that's quality that you'll have for a while and is a that's good the price. Thing. It'll last you for you know you'll spend way less money in the long term just buying a nice one once. There you go. Then crappy. That's ones. a little life tip. Yeah, yeah, life tip. <laughs> a little life tip. Yeah. Casper mattresses. Right now, relevant podcast listeners can get fifty bucks off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com/relevant and using uh, the promo code relevant there. Yeah. Um, make sure to get it. It's awesome. Well, Johnny Swim is the husband and wife duo of Abner Ramirez and Amanda Sudano. They met back in 2005 in Nashville and began songwriting together uh, not long after that. They clicked musically and then personally uh, (laughs) and are now married and have a kid. Yeah. Uh, In 2014, they released their first full-length record called Diamonds, which charted number one on the singer-songwriter chart for weeks. Well, the duo just released a live album recorded at Rockwood Music Hall in New York City and uh, gives us an inside look at a few of their favorite tracks. Here is Johnny Swim. So you've got a new album out live at Rockwood Music Hall, which, you know, from the title, is a live record. And conventionally... Bands tend to avoid live albums because it, it's hard to communicate that the energy that you have in a live setting onto a, a record. I mean, it can be scary. Indeed, man. And I know you guys specifically, you focus you focus a lot of your energy on your live show. So what made you decide to take the leap and bring that into an album format that people can just hear anytime they want? I feel like our songs all have had, the ones that are on this live record, they all have three lives. They've all lived three lives. One is the creation of the song, the writing of it. Typically, Amanda's cooking, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm like shouting at her, hey, what do you think about this? And she's like, no, maybe this. And it's very like conversational and, and kind of a beautiful, fun part of our life as the songs be- are created. And then the second life is really in the studio, yeah. where you're identifying the song, and you're really, you, you, how are people going to get what we, what we mean how, through the music, not just the lyrics, but how do we convey this emotion that we've tried to capture lyrically and melodically. Now how do we convey that in a recording? And then the third life, and to me, equally or more important than that, is the is its living, breathing version where we perform it live in front of you. And for a man's dad always said, if it's not live, it's not if it's not alive, it's not live. Yeah. Yeah. It morphs, it changes. Songs take different versions, different routes. Lyrically things change sometimes live. All kinds of stuff. And so for us, as lovers of people, lovers of music, we feel like we're ending this chapter. It's almost two years out from the release of Diamonds. And we're like, all right, we want, we wish there was a camera that could, in one snapshot, capture exactly where we are right now. And, and so we got 10 red cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and we got everybody in the room at the first place we ever headlined in New York, Rockwood Music Hall, a place we played probably a dozen times. More really, and we played the songs the way we do them. The set that we and it's funny that set list was birthed over like a year of really two years of just shows. Man, I remember we played New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival 
And it was one of our favorite shows he's ever played, ever. But we walked off stage, we all hugged, which happens after like a phenomenal show. We'll just walk off stage and hug each other, like the band, everybody was just hugging. Sure. And I remember after we hugged, we went and we sat down, we were like, all right, the set wasn't right. How do we work on the set? And that, we just started fighting for a set. We need the right set. We need to keep the energy throughout the show. Da, da, da. Anyways, and that's the set that's on, on this live record, Live at Rockwood. And that's all the new versions, all the, the changes. It's, it's us right now. As we, as we sense a, a morph coming, new songs, a new album, new pressure, new everything. We wanted to make sure that we didn't move on from this moment, this season, without a Polaroid of it. And so this is our, our Polaroid of where we've come so far. So the song Adelina is is one of my favorite songs, and it's on this live record. It came from your EP Heartbeat, and it seems to be that even though it's an older song, it's a part of your DNA as a band, and a lot of times as bands develop and get bigger, and you guys are just now kind of really getting your break, they abandon songs from the earlier days, but this one continues to pop up, and I'm just curious, does it have as much of a connection for you as it does for me as a listener? That song has lived more lives. It was one of the first songs we wrote together moving to, after we moved to L.A. five years ago. Six years ago? Six years ago. Wow. One of the first songs we wrote, we put it on our first EP, and it got, we started playing it live a little bit, but we didn't love the way we recorded it, if I could say that. Yeah. And so we, we tried to give it some new life live, and it didn't really happen. And one day in rehearsal, I remember saying, all right, let's just cut Adelina. This is probably four years ago. Mm. Three years ago, before the album came out for it. All right, we're done with that, Lena. Let's not do it anymore. And one of my best friends in the world who plays guitar with us often is a buddy named Walter Hill, also from Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, he was like, "Man, I, I don't know. I think I think we I think there's something there. We just got to go find it. We got to find it." And I was like, "Nah, man. I think I'm done. Like, let's just move on. Whatever." And Walter was like, "No, we got to fight for it. Just give me 30 minutes. Let's try to fight for this thing." <laughs> and we ended up. Uh, there's a groove that happens now. It's the crack, crack, boom, crack, boom. And for whatever reason, that groove put a whole new life into the song. And to this day, it's one of my favorite songs to perform live. And it's funny, it's one of those songs, in, in seasons, the song changes, the song that does what I'm about to say. But if you haven't won a crowd by the third song in, there's always this one song where I can look and I'll be like, all right, wait till we get to this song and then we'll get them. Yeah. We'll really get them by this song. You know, sometimes that was paid dearly, sometimes it, it was other things, whatever. But definitely right now, and probably for the last like six to 12 months, it's Adelina. Like, all right, when we get to Adelina, sometimes I'll pull it up earlier in the set. If we haven't won the crowd over yet, if I haven't felt like if we don't feel between a man and I that we're really there with everybody just yet, Adelina has become that song where we can where we can count on winning the room. Yeah. And I almost gave up on it. I gave up on it four years ago. But my buddy <laughs> talked to him and he gave it another go.
We got 76 songs lined up for you this evening. Hope you don't mind. So with live shows, there are always things that happen unexpectedly, whether that be good or bad or both. Were there any songs that really jumped out at you guys on on the record and at the show that you didn't expect to hit or strike the chord the way that they did? You know, I think I think I think one that um, it, I guess it's another one that I think of having multiple lives with us is Trouble. Um, uh, Trouble we wrote, and you know, it's kind of this feeling of you know having people in your life that that are looking for something good but are just looking for it in all the wrong ways you know yeah. it's like that quote love having become a god becomes a demon um, mm. and we had kind of a couple of situations like that in our life where we were kind of watching people and we want to help them and every conversation seems to go south and so you kind of just back up but you're still watching going oh gosh oh gosh please don't wreck you know yeah. Um, yeah. and so that song kind of was special to us you know when we wrote it and we got in the studio didn't know what to do with it it took um, it took a lot of uh, trial and error tries. I don't know. Yeah. That's not a real thing to say. <laughs> no, in the studio, the song almost got canned. Yeah, it almost got canned. We loved the song when we wrote it acoustic, and then for whatever reason, you know, we produced the album. And as we're in the studio, we, we tried like this really black keys kind of thing. We tried this other thing, and I got so frustrated. The studio's full of players. Everybody's in there. I just left. Yeah, and, and one person that doesn't play an instrument, me, was like, what? "Let's try this." Yeah, and uh, and and we kind of uh, we kind of found it, and so that was great. And then uh, and then we started playing it live, and and lately it's just been one of our favorite things to play live. Like we just we really get into it, and so especially um, especially on the live record. I remember by the end, you know, Abner, you you can hear it, but you you probably don't know what's happening when you listen to the record. But if you act, if you watch the Palladium special, or if you if you bought it to where you could see the see actually what's happening, Abner comes over to my mic and is singing on my mic with me, which he tends to do during that song. But uh, this night he got really really close, and I think was trying to make out with me <laughs> <laughs> during the song. Sure. He was trying to see if he could kill a couple birds with one stone. Let's make out. And right. make Just multitasking, uh, right? So I think I think you can hear me like laughing and and. And making jokes, and um, it just it ends up being a really fun moment where we get to sing on the same mic, and I never know whether there's going to be saliva in my ear or sweat down the side of my face, or whether we're just going to have this nice little moment where we actually can sing the song out. <laughs> totally, but, uh, but that one is actually really fun for us. was Johnny Swim. Make sure to check out their new album live at Rockwood Music Hall. It's out now. 
You're listening to Jelani Blackman. The song is Submarine. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week on the show, we got talking about Valentine's Day coming up, and we had a little bit of an advice segment with Shauna and Jesse on learning how to love. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, very it, helpful. It was very helpful. And uh, it just got us thinking about Valentine's Day, Valentine's dates, and uh, we wanted to know your stories about your worst Valentine's Day. You guys didn't disappoint. You uh, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and you also went over to the episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted your replies there. Here are a few of our favorites. <laughs> well, this one from Nathan, this should have been written from the girl's perspective because it's entirely his fault. It happened on Valentine's Day, 1997. <laughs> After two years of waiting, he finally got a date. He got permission from a, a girl's dad that he wanted to date. So he's been waiting years to date this, this young lady. Yeah. And he, he's very traditional, evidently, because he asked her, her father's permission. <laughs> for, for some reason that Nathan doesn't make clear, other than he was just a typical teenage boy, he was running an hour and a half late. And it never occurred to him that he should call and inform her that he was running late. Mm. What? Uh-oh. So instead, yeah, there's something isn't adding up here, Nathan. We might need a follow-up. He hopped in his Geo Metro and thought he should just speed as fast as he could to the house to try to make up time, and then he got pulled over. So then he added another half hour on top of being an hour and a half late. He finally made it to her house, and obviously she's unhappy. She's been waiting around two hours for this guy. He never called to say he was running late. He decided to whisk her to her favorite restaurant, and she told him she wasn't hungry. Again, Nathan isn't, isn't like, he can't see any of the signs. So he decides, even though she isn't hungry, to order food and just eat it himself while she watches him eat. What? Oh, no. So No way. She informs him that she no longer was in the mood to go to the movies. When they got home, she went into the kitchen and made herself a sandwich. So she was hungry. (laughs) Nice guy. Exasperated, he threw up his hands and demanded a do-over. He demanded it. Yes, he did. I'm sorry, Nathan. There's something... Reread what you wrote to us because I, I feel like a lot of this, the ball falls in your court here. Uh, she ended up agreeing to the do-over. They went on a second date, and which was actually their first date because he got to do a do-over, and it went well. But from the girl's perspective, that's the worst Valentine's Day ever. Not from yours, Nathan. No, yeah. She had a hard time. Nathan, you are the worst. I love you, man, but you're the worst. <laughs> All right. This is really sad. Uh, Timothy Allen Reader said that his senior year of high school, he had been dating a girl for almost two years and Valentine's Day was coming up and he hadn't bought her anything. Um, and he wasn't for sure how much the lo- longer the relationship would last. So he, naturally he was like, I'm just going to break up with her so I don't have to spend any more money. Um, and she, yeah, she still gave him the presents that he, uh, she had bought him. So he did that bad act in high school and he thinks that ever since uh, Valentine's Day has been getting him back because first um, he was dating a girl or he was interested in this woman and um, so he thought Valentine's Day coming up this would be a great time to move our relationship out of the friend zone and he said uh, that she had mentioned how excited she was about Valentine's Day so he's like yes this is it and then realized that she was excited to move out of the friend zone but with another guy (laughs) 
then a couple years later, um, he was in the army and he managed a long weekend leave for Valentine's day because he wanted to surprise his girlfriend. So he, um, flew home and he was like, she was so surprised (laughs) that she didn't answer my calls all weekend long. And it wasn't until he was headed back to base that she told him their relationship was over. Oh God. Then (laughs) after he gets out of the army, he was seeing a girl only to find out that she was seeing someone else when that other guy posted something on her MySpace page for Valentine's Day. Um, And so he just, yeah, he's like, Valentine's Day is not the best for him. All the same girl he kept coming back. That feels like like his fault. And Kevin Sorbo. (laughs) 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 This one from Olivia, this one doesn't really have any, this one just happened to take place on Valentine's Day. It's a pretty terrible story nonetheless. She was young, she was a kid, just learning to ride her bikes without training wheels. Uh, but because it was Valentine's Day, I guess her parents thought it would be a nice gesture to invite her grandparents over for like a big family Valentine's Day dinner. Sure. Uh, you know, this is, you know, they, they got kids. They're, they're doing something a little different this year. But uh, they want to show how young Olivia is progressing on her bicycle without training wheels. So they live right uh, on a golf course. It's after hours. She goes out. She begins riding and panics. And takes a fast turn directly towards the lake on a cold December day. <laughs> no. Uh, having not mastered the art of braking, all she could do was yell, I'm going in, before plunging into the icy waters of the golf course lake and having her parents and her grandparents jump in after her. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Uh, Randy got a bad Christian breakup line on Valentine's Day two years ago. Uh, <laughs> The, the, the girl said, God was leading us in different directions. Oh, very nice. And uh, he said he's, it was confusing because he's still not sure if she broke up with him or if it was God that broke up with them. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's the danger of using that line. Yep, and you, yeah, and you can't be mad. That's the hard part. You can't yeah, what are you going to be mad at God? I mean, yeah. he's yeah. the one who told you you're going different directions Sorry. here. I know it's Valentine's Day and all. <laughs> yeah, but... why couldn't that have waited until the next day? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. God didn't want to buy presents. Are you presents. telling me God just has a sick sense of humor? Right. Is that what you're telling me? Listen, I know it's your birthday and your mom just died, but this is God talking, not this me. This has God to happen that, today. I literally had that last week. Had a situation where I had to deal with something that was going to be very difficult, and it, something had to be confronted, and it was the person's birthday. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait. Maybe we chill on this for a couple. Just wait. Just, yeah. I'm gonna wait yeah. a couple just days. A couple days. <laughs> and, uh, because when they see you contacting, they're like, oh, this is about my birthday. This is uh-huh. you know, no. I got dumped on my birthday at a Jeremiah's shaved ice. It was the worst. <laughs> Ironically, and you at know, a Jeremiah's. I know. We went to get uh, we went to get whatever they serve the Italian ice for my birthday. And it was like, this is a great ice dream. By the way, we can't see each other anymore. Did you pay for it? <laughs> I did. I did pay for it. And she broke up with me after I paid for it. it so see, fun. if you know you're about to drop the bomb, you don't accept the free gift. You don't right. accept. Yeah, yeah. You say, no, thanks. I'm not really in the mood. But right. I'd, you know. Lighten the- but then what if that tips them off? That's no, the thing. That's the point. It softens the book. Like yeah. when Jeremiah goes, you know, she, she's like, I'll have the blue shaved ice. Right. You know, and, and Jeremiah goes, oh, okay, I'll, I'll have the, the red one, the cherry, please. And, and Jeremiah Jeremiah's handing the, the person the money, and the, and the girl grabs his hand and goes, no, I got mine. <laughs> no, no, or no. it's like, no, it's your birthday. I got this. Right. And she buys it for you. Right. And then she, goes, then she goes, Jeremiah, why don't, why don't you take a seat for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> hey, big guy, we got to no, no, talk. Eat up, eat up. Eat your, you, know, you know what? Eat, eat the ice cream. We're going to eat this first. <laughs> right. I, mean, I got something I'm going to need to talk about. 
Let's eat the ice cream first. Just, just trust me. You're not going to want to eat it after. You're going to not have an appetite. I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to ruin it for you. So you sit there. I'll sit here. I paid for this, not you. Remember, just eat the ice cream. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. When you think back about today, just yeah. remember the free ice cream. Yeah, remember, remember I, I, I stopped you from paying for that because that would have been just a no-class move. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that would have been like the move of someone who breaks up with someone on their birthday at a place that's named the same name they are. So <laughs> that's three strikes. I got two. Just eat up, Jeremiah. Just shut your mouth and eat the ice cream. <laughs> no, I will say that was I, a post I wrote a long time ago about people who say got two things. Either God told me we should be together or oh, God told one. me we're not supposed to be together anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like if, if I don't doubt that the Lord can really put something on someone's heart, but you never tell the other person, even if that's true, you just don't right. leave that out. That's my relationship advice for Valentine's day. Oh, Whether you're going to you like that. tell someone you want to date or you're going to break up, don't bring God into your, it's, it's manipulation. Yeah. You absolutely. Know? Yeah. Totally. Well, that, that, my favorite, because we did that Christian breakup line story that people can read on the website where people submitted the worst Christian breakup lines they ever got in a relationship. They were all hilarious. But my favorite one was that the guy's girlfriend gave him, I guess she was just super passive aggressive. And to your point, maybe he didn't want to use the God told us we should break up line. Because she her, she gave him a copy of I Kissed Dating Goodbye. <laughs> oh, no. And it took him like two weeks to put the pieces together that that was her breaking up. <laughs> the, here's the book, and she changed her number, never spoke to him again. Oh. So you want me to court you. That's what you're saying? Right, She's yeah. like, no, 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 no. Pursue Just harder. Just the title. Okay, right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that'll do it for last week's feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, we were talking about pool strategies on how to <laughs> skip, across, skip across um the uh it got us thinking about you know like w- when we would go swimming with with mom uh as as kids uh she never we never once saw her hair get wet no it could not get wet. it was a thing yeah i don't want to play those games it no just got way. us talking off mic you know uh, about other quirky things that our parents might have done as we were kids coming up and we want to know yours uh, so this week's question of the week is, what are some of the quirky things that your parents did that you'll never forget about yeah. your childhood? Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post on the podcast episode page at RelevantMagazine.com. This will be a fun one. My, my, my friend's dad regularly ran on the treadmill he had at the house but always did it in jeans. <laughs> like the worst treadmill pants. One is probably a safety hazard. Right. Because they're yeah. dad jeans. The friction. So they're little, yeah. They're, yeah, they're a little baggier. Those, those, you know? those thighs are warming up. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of moving parts on the treadmill. You, you step off. I think it's good to wear short pants. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. So hit us up. That'll be fun. This will be a good one. Many thanks to our guests who joined us today. Uh, make sure to check out Propaganda's uh, new book called I Am Becoming. You can find out more at IamBecomingBook.com. Ironically, if you just Google Propaganda, yeah. you, you don't find his website. You just find a lot of propaganda for other stuff. Just a lot of posters. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. IamBecomingBook.com. Um, and thanks also to Johnny Swim. You can follow them on Twitter at Johnny Swim. And remember their new album, Live at Rockwood Music Hall, is out now. 
Thanks to our sponsors, Squarespace. Remember, you can start your free trial at Squarespace today with no credit card required. Uh, But when you decide to sign up at squarespace.com, make sure to use the offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. And thanks also to Casper. If you're in the market for a new mattress, make sure to go to casper.com slash relevant and use the code RELEVANT to get $50 off any mattress purchase and free shipping. It's a great Mm, deal. That's great. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash relevant. Uh, extracts, video extracts of this show and um, recent ones are there. The Philip LaRue performance from last week is there. Definitely need to watch that one. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and also subscribe to our Spotify playlist. Just search for relevant. You'll see our official channels yeah. uh, there at Spotify. And uh, get the magazine at relevantmagazine.com. You can subscribe today. It's only a buck a month, 12 bucks, and you get a ton of awesome content. Our new issue, our March issue, is uh, at the printer now. So if you subscribe today, you'll get it in time. Um, it is chocked full of some really cool culture stuff. Actually, it's, it's a balanced issue, but we have a special music section, which is really awesome. So um, make sure to subscribe today if you don't. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jeremiah Dunlap. I'm Joy Egrich. I'm Jesse Carey. And for Eddie Koffeltz, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Just shut your mouth and eat the ice cream.